Welcome to Prime Alpha's interview series, insights from industry practitioners discussing their journey and their discoveries. Hello, my name is Amanda Jogia, the CEO of Prime Alpha, an online ecosystem bringing together alternative opportunities and their investors. Today with us is Rafael Mortorello. Rolf brings over 20 years of investment experience to his role as managing partner and CIO of Lotus Group Capital. Rolf leads a team with over 50 years of combined life settlements experience. Welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so I, let's get started. Um, I would love to hear about your journey, um, your career journey. Sure. So uh, right out of college, and I, I studied a combination of engineering and economics, and I jumped right in. I, I did not have really an interest in, in getting into engineering, but the business world really fascinated me. So I hopped into a management consulting firm, name was A.T. Carney, uh, traveled around for four or five years. And I think what I learned there was, was dropped into several different businesses and in different sectors, uh, understand and understood what people did to run those businesses, and then really figured out how to service and take care of other folks. So those are sort of the, the main things that I learned. Uh, what then happened in my late 20s, I, I feel like I had a, a midlife crisis, but in my early or my, my late 20s, um, sort of was one of these people who thought all the time about how life is short and that you don't have that much time. And so it, it very quickly dawned upon me that I really wanted to do the things that I wanted to do. And, and what that meant was becoming a little bit more independent, calling my own shots, uh, servicing clients the way that they wanted to be serviced. And then I combine that with this real love for money, uh, which sounds crazy, sounds sort of uh, selfish in these days, but growing up in Queens, New York and not growing up with that much and sort of thinking through the needs that I had, it was something that was important to me. And so, you know, the spreadsheets that I ran through with, with consulting and, and um, my engineering background, those different things led me towards really enjoying investing. And so we started a business, uh, my wife and I, uh, sort of a, in, our, in our, our, our home, in our rental uh, property with a, a newborn child uh, crying in the background. We, we had no money really. We, we only had a few friends and families, no brokers wanted to take us. Uh, and here we are throwing our, our, our shingle out there as being a wealth manager. Um, so that was interesting. We worked really long hours. We worked together. She helped set the business up. And I focus on the client service and, and doing the investment pieces to it. And it was, it was fun. I mean, in, in the moments, it was probably uh, really painful at times, uh, up till 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, sort of your typical startup uh, story. But in hindsight, you can look back and, and fondly think of those times and, and, and have some selective amnesia about uh, what went on with that. So yeah, we, we got it started. Uh, again, most people come out of the industry, so they had assets to start. We started with nothing. Uh, and there were umpteen years worth of convincing brokers of why we were going to be something, uh, convincing clients, convincing partners. And you fast forward to today, and we are a, a group of 15 individuals in downtown Denver. We're just shy of a quarter billion dollars in assets. And we, we still have that big focus on on humans, uh, our tagline is make life count. So we, we really try to help other individuals be the best that they can be and we're the assist people, right? We're just here to help assist them in doing what they're trying to do with their lives. 
So um, what was that catalyst for Life Settlements? So Life Settlements was, was interesting. So we've been in Life Settlements now for six years. Uh, obviously, we started the wealth management business 20 years ago. And what happened is in, in the last two downturns, I think several people uh, and, and large amounts of people got disenamored with the stock market. I think more recently you have fixed income markets are not really performing, rates are really low. And so we got heavily into alts. So private alts became a big thing for our wealth management firm. And when we looked at it, we really tried to have a, a competency in sourcing uh, different managers that were great at what they did. We didn't really want to bring anything in-house from that standpoint. Life settlements happened to be a sector that was very attractive to us, uh, completely uncorrelated from the economy, completely uncorrelated from the stock market, and delivered a low teen return, and really kind of looked like fixed income in portfolios. And so it did all the things that fixed income would do. It, it protected during downturns, but it also had still an opportunity to generate a, a, a nice return. So the issue for us was that we were unhappy with the different providers that were available uh, in the life settlements market. Um, most of them ran closed end funds and in closed end funds, you'd have to lock up for 10 years. So if you think of sort of high net worth clients, they, they tend to want liquidity more, more recently than 10 years. So that seems to fit more with the family office uh, groups. So we got really into it. Um, we also thought that the fees were too high. Uh, my background in, in supply chain management from the consulting I saw that there was brokers taking a 15, 20% cut. There were providers taking a 5% cut. The funds were taking two and 20s. And at the end of the day, you had on both ends of that spectrum, the consumer was getting sort of underpaid for their policy. And the investor was having to deal with lots of costs in that pipeline. So here we had a very exciting asset class that should be doing great. Uh, but we had a lot of costs and difficulty in accessing it. So we decided this was something that we wanted to build ourselves. Totally. Um, so you talked about client servicing, and I, I think that's really important. So how do, how do you think about, you know, how you help your clients? So I think first and foremost, I'm a libertarian. So I, I just believe in people uh, and I believe people can solve problems. Um, I'm not here to judge what the, the folks want to do with their lives, but I really love people who are trying to do anything productive. Uh, that can be a business, that can be solving a disease, that can be being a great mom, that can be whatever it is that you're trying to do, do something productive with your life. So as we think about this every day and the 15 people on our team, we, we sort of beat this into their heads, is every dollar that we're managing is somebody's hard earned dollar. And it represents the opportunity for them to have security in their life, to go after risks, to do things, right? To help actually make the world a better place, uh, not only for themselves, their family, but also for, for everyone else. So what we do is we really have conversations with folks and listen. So with our capital partners, it was just with, um, with uh, one of our teammates down in Southern California, you know, we don't just jump in there and say, hey, here's what we have to offer. Here's what we can do. We start with, tell me about your business. You know, tell me what's going on with your clients. What are they looking for? How much liquidity? Um, what, what are you struggling with? What are the things that cause you problems as a business? And so we really try to help 
solve problems for those capital partners and help them help them solve those things. And uh, if we can, we can. And and really, that's the end of the day. You know, we're doing life settlements, we're investing in those things, but the end result is a return uh, for people that they can rely on, that's consistent, and that allows them to continue to do the things in their life. It's really interesting. So you and I live parallel lives. So I started Prime Alpha and my husband started an asset management company and we had a three-year-old. So <laughs> I literally thought we were insane. <laughs> so I think you know how we feel. It, it, exact two, three more, two, you know, two in the morning, um, 24-7, nonstop um, until you get to some critical mass. And it was uh, painful but you kind of forget you're totally right. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol um, helps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so you talked about um, kind of your business and the evolution. Um, how do you, how have you pivoted your thesis or your business um, and how have things changed? I know life settlements have evolved. Um, it's a very long history. You know, it's probably been around for about four decades, but really kind of spiking up in the last kind of 10 or 20 years, maybe 15 years. Um, so have you changed your thesis or changed your business model to adapt? Yeah, I, th I think a couple of things. Um, first off, as we were getting going, and I'd say this is just a function of my personality type is I'm, I'm a very competitive person. So we, what we thought was needed was a return that was in excess of market, right? It's the definition of alpha. And so we used a lot of different sort of crafty approaches that were either using math uh, to, to find opportunities or with our sources of supply, trying to be crafty about uh, how to solve the, the family's problems and in return, get a better deal. And we still do those today. That's, not, that's deep in our DNA that we're gonna continue to do that. But what has changed and what has been interesting to me is, capital partners are really looking for consistency in this asset class. And as, as you've seen treasury rates have sort of come down, the, the, the opportunity to, to use fixed income in a portfolio is, is really stretched at this point. And so they're starting to look at us less as a exciting vehicle for double digit returns and more for just genuine consistency. And as this industry has matured, there have been some players that are more consistent and there have been other players that have been a little bit more volatile in, in that they try to be more aggressive and then sometimes they have a, a problem that occurs, whether they use too much leverage or there were assumptions that were taken. And people don't choose this asset class now for generating huge returns. That's not the goal. The goal is for uh, focusing on, on that consistency. So we've really changed how we talk to people about it. Uh, it's, it's less about sort of an equity replacement. It's, it's much more that consistent piece. And we've, we've focused our team around uh, and hiring and our processes around generating those types of returns instead of stretching for different things. So, so that I think is interesting. Uh, from a sourcing standpoint, we've really invested more heavily recently on going direct to consumers. Uh, again, that should uh, arguably reduce some of the, the, the costs in the supply chain with the brokers. Uh, now, I'm not going to say that the brokers don't play a very important role. Uh, for many people, 
there's still over 80% of policies lapsed today. So people, there's an educational component that brokers play a huge role. And some might argue they're getting paid too much, uh, but you know, if they didn't exist, people oftentimes would just lapse their policy. So, so I, I don't want to say that they don't provide a, a good role, they do. Uh, but we will inevitably have to continue to invest in direct. So we've got several different marketing initiatives for going direct to consumers, uh, whether that be online or with greater outreach with uh, sales folks. So uh, I think that's a, a big piece for us. And I think in the next two decades, it'll become more and more common, kind of like a reverse mortgage is, is more common. Uh, life settlements will, will do better. I think it's so interesting. I mean, just having started Prime Office six years ago and just seeing the evolution of alternatives um, and seeing a lot more operationally heavy um, platforms. So, you know, it's not just someone going out and buying a portfolio of stocks. It's a very operationally heavy business. And also having been um, a management consultant and worked in operations, I know supply, and by the way, supply chain. <laughs> so yeah. you get that. It's really interesting. Um, so it's a, it's a different part of the brain and it's a different um, business. It's much yeah, more. It's interesting. I mean, you, you would hope you, you wouldn't have to do it because it takes a lot of time and a lot of costs. But at the same time, for the longevity of your business, there's a moat that you build by having a strong supply chain that it's hard to replicate. And I do think that this will be an industry where you need to be big enough uh, in order to manage that infrastructure and also to have enough. Uh, policies so that you have diversification and, and things of that nature. Uh, so it will be harder for the, the folks who are just getting started to participate. Uh, we happen to be one of the newer players on the block uh, in the last three or four years. And I think that stretched some folks, uh, but we also have some catching up to do uh, just to be candid of, you know, there's certain groups that have huge infrastructure uh, that, that are already in place. So uh, I think we're, we're continuing to strive to be good players in the industry, to be very transparent with what we do, uh, very honest and ethical on how we go about doing it. But yeah, there's a lot of work to do, but there's a huge opportunity, right? There's two decades of, of baby boomers in front of us that have undersaved for, for retirement. They need options. And we have only a 20% market education at this point. So you put those two pieces together and there's a lot of room for, for growth in this, in this market. Absolutely. So in terms of um, your business, um, what did you do right? <laughs> uh, I always focus on what I do wrong because I'm a perfectionist from that standpoint. But um, I, would, I would say that we, we pick the right people uh, and, and that's on multiple different fronts. So first of all, our sourcing partners a lot of people think you, you, you see their, their presentations and they say, hey, we have 20 different partners that are out there. And in this industry, it actually pays off to have one dance partner and not be with 20 different folks. Because if you're just getting sort of the standard market policies, all 20 of those partners will send you the same things. You need to see the, the proprietary, the pieces that are exclusive to them. And so having a, a singular dance partner is important. And we happen to find someone that we, we love uh, that is super ethical, super transparent, and they're wonderful with people uh, because this is still a person-to-person -person transaction. You're, you're talking to a family that 
is either in distress or they're worried or um, they're doing some sort of financial planning, but there's, there's something going on emotional in that transaction. And this group does an incredible job of, of shepherding them through that process. So that's been wonderful. Uh, the people on our team, we, I, I thank our HR group in our, in our company, we use a psychological test called DISC, uh, which really goes through and fits the personality type to the type of role. So, so, you know, somebody who's out there pounding the pavement, talking to folks should have a certain DISC profile. Um, in, in that case, be more dominant and, and have influence through other people. And then someone who's doing our underwriting on the, on the backside should be a compliant human uh, that really wants to follow process and, and sleuth through it. So we've done a wonderful job, I think, and, and not really me, I've taken myself out of that recruiting process. I, I, I think everyone's wonderful, uh, but, but our, our head of HR does a great job of, of picking those out. And then finally, I'll say our capital partners. Um, we, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that our, our head of distribution does. He's really found folks who understand that you can't have immediate liquidity in an asset class like this. You, you have to have a little bit of patience. You have to understand transparency. We cannot activate hundreds of millions of dollars all at once. And so them being able to talk to us and really sequence when they're gonna bring the capital in is very helpful for us. And he's done a wonderful job. And whenever we meet with our capital partners, uh, we just have a grand old time because they're, they're just great folks and they, they really get it and they're open, transparent, and, and we just talk as partners together. So I think that's what we've done right is just the people around it uh, are, are really spectacular. It's all about the people. So um, this is the last question. Um, what do you think is your superpower? <laughs> uh, ask my wife. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think... I have a, it's interesting because we're on a podcast where I'm, I'm supposed to do most of the talking. Usually I'm not doing most of the talking. I'd say my superpower is probably empathy uh, and then turning the, that empathy into solutions. So really trying to feel the other person and, and so not just sympathy, I, I try to get into that other person's skin and imagine what it feels like to be dealing with what they're dealing with, whatever that may be. You know, so if it's a capital partner, it, they may be, feeling stress from different folks, trying to solve a certain problem. They may even be talking to someone else at their firm that has put certain goals on their plate. Uh, and throughout the entire supply chain, figuring out what that is and then turning that into a solution, right? I'm very action oriented. So I get itchy if I know that there's a problem there and we're not doing anything about it. And so turning that empathy into solutions and then measuring it and, and having an output and doing a quick high five and then moving on to the next thing. I think we have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but so thank you, Ralph. Thank you for your time. It was a pleasure um, having you with us and um, we will drop your information into this podcast um, and uh, please reach out. Thank you so much and hope you guys have a great one.